0: It is a great privilege and pleasure to introduce for uh, one more year, uh, Mr. Yanis Manouilidis, a partner at Allen and Overy. And thank him for uh, spearheading the effort every year to put together a great macro panel that discusses the macro picture in the Greek and European economy. Uh, And and this year in particular, I think uh, given everything happening, the macro picture is uh, really the, the foundation for, for the conference that uh, is going on. I'd like to thank Yanis. I'd like to thank all the panelists. I will not uh, steal the thunder from Yanis. I will uh, let him introduce each one of them. But I would like to thank you all. We have an absolutely top-level panel of Greek and international experts. And uh, yani and to all of you, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, uh, Nicholas. And thank you for having us and for your kind words. Um, so uh, here I'm prepared in this novel way, but I'm, I have my pilot's gear to, to lead, uh, lead our uh, co- co- fellow friends and panelists, some, some old friends, some new friends. Um, so I'll just start, start by introducing them very, very briefly. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Michael uh, uh, uh He is the chairman of the Economic Advisors of the Hellenic Republic. Uh, he participates in the Eurogroup uh, Working Group, Euro group, working group um, and the ESM. So well known to uh, our other panelists, uh, Rolf Strau, who is the chief economist and uh, sits at the management board of the ESM. And then um, two others uh, who follow Greek and European affairs, yari um, <coughs> uh, Stern, uh, who is uh, uh, chief European economist at Goldman Sachs. And uh, last but not least, uh, Marco Mernsink, Uh, senior director at EMEA at uh, Sovereigns and International Public uh, Finance Ratings at S&P Global. Uh, So our topic today is the macro picture, uh, the Greek and European economy post-Brexit and post-COVID-19. There's very little that we can say about Brexit. I don't think anybody really knows, maybe maybe God and even he, I doubt. but um, let's assume Brexit will take a mostly benign form for everybody. And let's just look at what the uh, post COVID uh, Greek and European economy will look like. And basically the assumption is that we will have reverted to normal, extraordinary measures will have been over and we will then just uh, seeking to define uh, the new normality away from from anything which is emergency and extraordinary. (laughs) Um, And uh, so, The the overall background has been covered, I think, very well by previous speakers about where everybody is on uh, the fiscal challenges and the debt challenges and the wounds to the economy. So, I won't, um, uh, and also on the extraordinary measures that have been taken both in Greece and Europe. These are well known, so I won't uh, recap them. Uh, if necessary, the speakers will refer to specific things of them. But let's start with the first question, set of questions, rather, which have to do with reforms and economic growth. And if I could start with uh, Michael Argyrou. Uh, Um So Greece uh, needs growth and it needs to increase uh, its competitiveness and productivity in reforms on many fronts. Um, it has uh, commissioned reports on various reforms, most notably the Piseridis report, which of the proposed reforms will the government choose to follow and what will be it prioritize? And will education and administration of justice be among them? You, you are on mute. You have to unmute yourself. You, you, your yes, is still on mute. Oh yeah, there you yes, go. Yes, 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 indeed.
1: So I was thanking you for uh, the invitation and it is a pleasure to be here. And uh, I was saying good evening to everybody. Now, as you said, uh, we look at the big picture here, the macro picture, and uh, I suppose that we have to look a little bit back in order to see why Greece uh, is characterized over the last four four decades by this significant uh, negative growth gap it displays relative to the EU average. Of course, this has been exasperated during the years of the crisis, but it was pre existing So why it was the case that Greece was not growing fast as its European peers since 1980, more or less? Well, uh, I think that this reflects uh, substantial gaps in investment, employment, and productivity growth. This is the data. And the events of the past decade have conclusively shown that for Greece to achieve sustainable growth and economic and social resilience, these gaps must be addressed. Now, for me, this presupposes a change in the Greek growth model, primarily through improving the incentives provided to firms and households. This is, I think, the key problem. The incentives were wrong for too long. Now, the present Greek government has been elected precisely on this platform. It has been given a mandate to implement an ambitious reform agenda, rendering Greece attractive for investment and employment. Mm -hmm. To that end, prior to the pandemic, authorities had already started introducing ambitious reforms covering, among others, the labor, goods, and services markets. Following the onset of the pandemic, the government continues to implement significant reforms, including, among others, privatizations and a new state-of-the-art incentives-compatible insolvency framework. Now, the day after the pandemic, a major vehicle for pursuing Greece's economic recovery, and this is directly linked to the Pisarides report to which you have referred, Yannis, will be the Recovery and Resilience Fund. This will not be only for recovery, but also for increasing long-term growth. Last month, Greece submitted to the European Commission the first draft of its National Recovery and Resilience Plan, RRP, whose total envelope represents approximately 20% of the GDP projected for 2020. So we speak about a lot of money. Now, what we plan to do with this, in full alignment with the conclusions of the European Summit of July 2020, the Greek plan aims to achieve climate and digital transition, which is, of course, consistent with the Pissarides report directions, address the country specific recommendations provided to Greece in the context of the European semester, and implement ambitious reforms and investments, a large number of which, perhaps the majority, are indeed included in the committee report. This covered, to give you a flavor, among others, the tax and justice systems, their priorities, improving the business environment, the labor market, the financial sector, of course, education to which you have referred, and access to effective and inclusive social policies. The aim is to increase Greece's potential output through higher investment, labor participation and productivity, resilience to negative shocks through higher diversification of economic activity across sectors. We love our tourism sector. We love our shipping sector. They are doing great. We want them to continue doing great, but we want other sectors as well to do great. We want labor markets and goods markets and services markets to be more responsive to changing conditions. And we want also the degree of inclusivity across households, generations, genders and social groups to invest. Key channels through which these aims will be pursued are digitization, a higher degree of innovation, economies of scale and higher exports, all of which are very prominent in the Pisares report. Finally, to conclude, sustainable higher long term growth will be the key to successfully address Greece's legacy challenges of public debt, NPL's unemployment, and net international investment position. The political ownership of the ambitious reform agenda, which I have outlined, and increased policy credibility deriving from such ownership. I believe, put in place the prospect of a virtuous cycle of improving expectations and fiscal macro performance. Present market developments convey confidence in Greece's ability to achieve its ambitious targets, signaling the existence of profitable investment opportunities
0: in Greece. Well, thank you, a great great introduction indeed. Uh, Let me just uh, move slightly to um, outside Greece to Europe uh, by uh, turning to uh, Yari. And so uh, Yari, Greece is likely to succeed if Europe also moves forward. So what are Europe's prospects uh, post-pandemic and what type of reforms and growth do we need to see there? And if you think that any of them uh, in particular are likely to benefit countries like Greece.
2: Yes, sure. So, I mean, Europe uh, broadly, of course, got hit very hard um, by the COVID crisis, but we actually think that Europe is quite well placed here to rebound from a cyclical perspective. And that obviously over the next couple of years, I think is still going to be the focus, given uh, how much room there's still uh, to catch up until we get back to the pre-COVID level. But I think there are three three reasons that actually make us quite uh, constructive here that uh, we will see a good recovery. The first is that there's still a lot of room for catch up. Um, So when we kind of look across uh, Europe, uh, the euro area is about 5% uh, below uh, the pre-COVID level. If you look at uh, Southern Europe, of course, it's more. You know, it's about ten percent. It's mainly focused in services, and I think we learned from the third quarter this year that when restrictions come off, uh, that activity, but particularly in services, can rebound uh, quite quickly. Uh, second reason is the progress we've seen on the vaccine front. Uh, we think that really is very positive. Um, we now think that about 50% of the population will be vaccinated across Europe uh, by the end of Q2, and think that will unlock uh, quite a lot of that uh, bounce back potential uh, in services. And then third, and of course key, is uh, the policy support um, that we've seen. So we've really seen a big shift, both on the fiscal side um, and on the monetary side, uh, where we think that uh, the policy support has been very effective in avoiding broader damage to the economy, spillovers into the labor market, spillovers uh, into the corporate sector. So we think um, the euro area will grow by 5.5% in 2021. Um, Of course, it is going to take some time to get back to normal, but we do think the countries that have most catch up to do, um, particularly in Southern Europe, uh, will see uh, strong growth rates. And that of course is going to provide uh, a good backdrop Uh, here also for Greece. Now, of course, there are lots of risks uh, to this view, Um, and maybe let me just comment on one that I think is going to be very important for Europe is really the north-south divide uh, that we have seen in terms of uh, the COVID shock and in terms of the economic repercussions and that the north has been, uh, you know, comparatively little hit uh, compared to the south. And I think this is really where uh, the recovery fund and the progress at the EU level has been so important. And I think it's critical here that uh, these grants are used in a way that will boost growth sustainably uh, to make sure that all parts of Europe can come out of this uh, COVID crisis.
0: Well, thank you. very much. So, Rolf, if I if I can turn to you, uh, and of course you you have a very important institutional position in all of this because uh, you are you are uh, in the organisation that uh, is Greece's uh, sort of largest creditor and uh, is following sort of largest client and 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 also friend uh, because I know how much uh, you have all been been supporting Greece in all sorts of ways that are not uh, visible. So. What reforms would you want to see in Greece or in Europe uh, to be satisfied that uh, all is being done, uh, not only to avoid additional reliance on uh, ESM? I don't, I know you don't want to use, to lose your clients, but uh, but uh, it's always it's one of these things where uh, losing them is a success, and and um, and also, uh, but also long-term credibly reduce uh, Greece's reliance on the ESM.
3: Yes, Janis, uh, thank you for having me also on, on this panel. And um, yeah, you put it, we are Greece's biggest creditor, but by that very fact, also, we are very interested in the long term growth of Greece. Uh, that, that's kind of very uh, close to our heart from that perspective. And here, I must say that our view on the situation at this stage is that it basically provides a certain rupture to a process that had started with a program for moving the growth model of Greece. Now, I, we understand perfectly that Michael and the, the the administration has now a lot to do to handle the crisis, um, the, the pandemic, and um, that, that absorbs a lot of energy. But as you said, once we move out of that, uh, we also are in moving out of it, we also need to think about the future growth path. Um, and I think here, there's a lot of continuation, actually, with the processes that we try to Set forth in the program and pursue the years, uh, and, and pursue from from there. And since here our main focus in in this panel here is on investment, let me just highlight the points where we see some priority in order to put forward stimulate investment. And there are basically four points that we see. So we think that Greece should further advance in. Uh, improving the institutional and regulatory environment, particularly for innovation and for high-powered frontier research. That that is one area. You mentioned before the judicial system, and uh, we also share that view, and we know, and and Michael mentioned it as well, that this is a key area to improve the efficiency of the judiciary. A third point in this is to ease the business of startups. and and making it easy to start um, an enterprise and actually get operational. And here, the licensing for investment and uh, opening for trade is certainly an important point uh, that still needs to be addressed in order to improve the investment climate. The final point is the overall efficiency of the administration. and, And I guess that here, the digitalization agenda indeed plays a big role in order to make it more service oriented. More oriented towards the needs of firm and actually being able to help there uh, rapidly. So, these are kind of four areas where we see priorities. And, and Michael, before, outlined a very broad project program in order to advance the economy overall. And we fully agree with many of initiatives taken. But as we go along, obviously, it will be important for the administration to also set certain priorities. In this regard, Some further work needs to be done also on the capacity to absorb the EU funds. And we know that this is under progress. We are also closely discussing this with with Michael and other parts of the um, administration. So we are happy that this is also put in place and can advance further. And I can say later maybe also a bit more where we see the investment, the EU investment going forward-looking. Thank you.
0: well thank you very much Rolf. indeed we will be turning to investment uh, we're sort of focusing more kind of reforms and and uh, background uh, macro picture and Marco we come last to you because uh, in a way you are you are the one who kind of is like the examiner you know you you have to give a grade to everybody in fact that's what you do um, and so we want to hear uh, from you to see what it is that you need to see uh the pupil doing right what reforms would you want to see uh Greece do um, uh, to to note a positive outlook and then an upgrade?
4: Well, um, in, uh, with respect to the uh, potential upgrade, I think in the near term, we could raise our ratings on Greece if the impact of this pandemic on economic performance subsides and then the related erosion in budgetary performance uh, is, is reversed. Of course, the reforms that enhance economic growth would be definitely a positive for, for the rating over the medium term. Um, and I think that investment activity is key in this regard, which, you know, very much rhymes with the conclusions of the Pisaridas report that you mentioned. Um, Investment activity, uh, I think it's important to to look at it from from this angle, Uh, would would also benefit from a sharper decline in uh, what is currently very high uh, NPL ratio in the banking system. And that's also, I'm, I'm mentioning that also because it's something that is directly part of the rating. So th- it would also benefit um, the, the credit worthiness of, of the sovereign if that ratio falls sharper. Um, and of course, you know, I think that the funds from the Next Generation EU agreement um, are, are such a, a good news for for Greece, and they could actually, and I, I expect to them to act as a catalyst for dealing with these outstanding reform challenges. But I think generally, um, I think we all here agree that Greece has already implemented a huge amount of structural reforms over the past years. I think that uh, however, uh, the positive impact of of these reforms um, is unlikely to to be displayed in the current recessionary conditions or what was previously relatively low growth um, uh, environment. Uh, and even less so if the, the credit channel is challenged, uh, as it currently is. I, but I think that once the recovery is well entrenched, I think that the reform
0: dividends will uh, show up. Thank you. That's uh, that, that's very encouraging for you to to say because I know you. Um, you, you, as I said, you are the one who comes and grades everybody, and uh, indeed, the ultimate people who vote uh, and grade the investors will will, will look to see what uh, you and your colleagues say. So, if we could move to um, uh, I- you know I- investment and uh, economic growth, we were just focusing on reforms. I know some of them were mentioned, and so I'll, I'll start with uh, uh, Yari. So, you know, what will the you know, we have a spate of uh, European initiatives and, and even mentioned before in the previous sessions, a, a ECB pandemic QE, relaxation of fiscal rules and uh, ESM emergency lines, the recovery fund, etc. So what do these uh, initiatives mean for the economy and for investors in in Europe and, and in Greece? Yes, I think the macro
2: measures that you mentioned are, are critical. They, they have been uh, critical, uh, throughout the crisis itself um, in that we saw a large, but ultimately we think temporary hit to demand. So it then makes a lot of sense to uh, provide um, highly expansionary macro policy um, during that time. And I think there's a strong case to continue with those expansionary policies to basically bridge the demand until um, demand can normalize when the vaccine Uh, is there and when uh, services activity returns to uh, more normal levels. I think what's been really striking is that we've seen uh, a coordinated response uh, across the different arms of macro policy. Um, So we've had expansionary national fiscal policies where I think um, particularly the bridging schemes have been very effective, the short-term work schemes, for example, which I think is, is an area where Uh, Europe has compared quite favorably, for example, with the United States uh, in in limiting uh, upward pressure on unemployment. Then, of course, the EU-wide fiscal initiatives, the Recovery Fund, of course, has been mentioned, which we think really has been a a milestone uh, in terms of institutional progress. And then, uh, last but not least, of course, the fact that the ECB really stepped up. um, And I think, uh, you know, including last week, a decision to extend the pandemic QE program and really to signal that the ECB is going to be there to support demand, uh, not just during the acute uh, crisis phase, but also into the recovery to sustain uh, favorable financing conditions, um, as uh, President Lagarde said, uh, into the recovery. Um, And so we do think that support from the ECB will also be there. We think that uh, the net asset purchases will run until the middle of 2023, and that the ECB will not raise interest rates uh, until 2025, so really providing very sustained policy support. Um, So we think the implication uh, of this really is that the the funding gaps across Europe um, have been closed quite effectively, so if we count together the EU-wide funding sources that have been provided through the Recovery Fund, of course, uh, the you know the ESM uh, the ECB um, the, it, it's sort of hard to see how we would have funding issues in the near term which we think is very uh, important um, and as a result of that uh, we see upside risk uh, or upside potential better uh, to European um, uh, assets uh, you know uh, sort of in a broad sense we think the euro will continue to strengthen um, as the recovery gains traction and we also think there's uh, further upside, uh, you know, to equity prices um, and so on as the recovery takes hold across Europe.
0: Well, thank you. This is a very uh, upbeat and optimistic. So, um, uh, Marco, I'll turn to you and I'll basically, you know, the same question. I'll just, what is your take Um, and on all this, I mean you you can uh, if you if you broadly agree' is, uh, indicate, but if you if you think there's any nuances or disagreements, please. please yeah, I,
4: I agree that uh, what I call uh, this shift from fiscal compact to fiscal comeback in in Europe, um, I think it will support a faster economic recovery. I agree completely with what you already said. Um, having said that, um, our analysis shows that the proposed green infrastructure and, digitalization spending by the four largest Eurozone economies may actually not even be enough to close the wide investment gap that accumulated already before the pandemic. So, you know, clearly what, what we have ahead of us is a situation where the fiscal stimulus can be very powerful. We estimate, for example, fiscal multipliers, uh, you know, uh, for around 1.6 to two, uh, to 2, which suggests that one invested Euro would yield 1.6 to 2 euros um, of output. So that's definitely a positive. And and from the sovereign's ratings uh, perspective, I have to say that the rapid ECB reaction, as well as the creation of the recovery fund have definitely been uh, crucial for the stability of Eurozone sovereign ratings. Um, While we observed some changes um, in the rating outlooks, uh, we haven't seen any downgrades uh, despite this unprecedented um, economic shock and deterioration budgetary position so you know compared to the previous crisis we think that the authorities at pan-european level but also nationally have reacted swiftly to cushion this impact and provided the response that we think will will support the recovery as for Greece I think you know I think Greece will benefit substantially from from the uh, from the recovery funds and um, as Ralph already mentioned I think it's uh, a key to you um, uh, consider strengthening absorption capacity, where Greece does not stand all that uh, badly. I mean, if you compare to other countries like Spain or Italy, um, Greece is, for example, has so far used almost 60% of uh, available funds under the structural um, fund framework, whereas, you know, the same indicator for Spain or Italy is about 33%. So it's key to keep on strengthening management uh, and presenting projects. And I'm I'm sure um, Michael or, or Rolf will discuss this a bit. Well,
0: in, indeed, indeed, thank you very much, because that uh, leads very well to what I want to uh, um, ask Michael, because I want to sort of focus on the recovery fund and the huge opportunity that this presents for Greece and uh, uh, how optimistic he is about how this will be absorbed, uh, these funds will be absorbed, and, uh, you know, for kind of appropriate and legitimate growth promoting projects and um, you know, and ask him how he wants to see these funds invested, and and how do this see, he sees how they will catalyze uh, further private investment. But it's good to to have the independent voice that that Greece actually has managed to absorb, uh, relatively speaking, uh, previous funds very well. So, Michael, over to you.
1: Thank you very much. So indeed, and as mentioned earlier, the financial envelope for the RRF for Greece is very substantial and the RRF provisions postulate full absorption in a very limited period of time relative to other programs such as the cohesion funds. So here we just have six years, 2021 to 2027, and that's it. So we will have to be very efficient, both in terms of implementing reforms and projects, so as to meet on time the milestones and targets on which departments will depend. We are already taking steps to increase our ability to absorb funds and implement projects within these strict deadlines, Rolf uh, actually has already referred to that. For example, in agreement with our European partners, we are setting up a strategic project pipeline to support the development of of large infrastructure projects of national importance. We are also setting up a project preparation facility to support the preparation and implementation of priority infrastructure investment projects included in the strategic project pipeline. And specifically for the RRP, we are setting up a special experts team whose mandate is to accelerate and simplify procedures. Now, as Marco very rightly mentioned, uh, according to existing data, Greece's ability to absorb European funds is not bad at all. For example, and I suppose this is the study to which Marco referred, the highly respected Bruegel Institute, Uh, doing research precisely on the question of countries' ability to absorb funds, puts Greece as top of the list for the 2007-2013 MMF cycle and in third place for the current 2014-2020 cycle. Now, this is not to downplay challenges, which, of course, clearly exist. What I'm just saying is that Greece's record in absorbing EU funds is, uh, in fact, uh, better than the EU average. It's quite good. Now, regarding the uses of the RRF, I mentioned them before. Let me repeat them. Green and digital transition, projects aiming to diversify the production structure of the Greek economy, increase innovation, economies of scale and openness will be key. And finally, let me have a note on the RRF and private investment. In our draft RRP, we postulate the use of the loans compartment of of the Greek RRF envelope for the purpose of unloaning the funds to private investment. We do so because we believe that this will help close the pre-existing large investment gap, 70% of which is due to private business investment, closing the large lending interest rate differential between Greece and the EU average, which currently puts Greek firms at a disadvantage relative to their EU peers, and finally, Achieving medium term fiscal sustainability as on loaning RRF loans to profitable investments will have a neutral, if not positive, through growth effect on Greek public debt dynamics. So we believe that the economic case is very strong. Using RRF loans for loaning them for the purpose of profitable targeted investment projects, subject to a very credible governance framework, in our view, makes a lot of economic sense.
0: Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, that, uh, and so, uh, Rolf, I'll, I'll turn to you uh, for for this last thing. So, uh, you, as you said, you you are um, you know the creditor of Greece, but because you are a long-term creditor, you are effectively also have almost an equity interest. You want to see uh, Greece grow, uh, and Greece now uh, has this huge liquidity available to it through the ECB measures. Indeed, liquidity through soft conditionality, ESM measures, and, and of course the um, uh, the, the recovery fund. So, what? how do you think Greece should use this liquidity?
3: Yes, let me make two points here. Um, first is that I really also appreciate what Yari and Marco said on the market environment and the trust in the market that this time is there that is also different from the last crisis and this is has a lot to do with the ecb response with the european response esm is part of that response package and we put up this credit line the pandemic support that can provide funding that can provide liquidity as you said it hasn't been drawn yet but it has already a positive effect in terms of giving market confidence and therefore supporting favorable financing conditions so that's important for us to note and then it's available till 22 and when Greece thinks they should be drawing on it and will want to draw on it, they can do so under under clear conditions. And it's also clear that the only kind of conditionality that comes with it is that you use the funds for the purpose that they are meant for healthcare expenditure, nothing else. So it's part of the package, it gives market confidence and that is important. Second fact point that I want to make, and um, Yari talked before of demand, and I do, obviously, as an economist, I see the need to support demand. But I want to add also another element here. It's, the, it's called, the EU funds are called Next Generation EU. So it's the next generation of Greece that <laughs> we are basically concerned with. And that means you want to, this money should be used to strengthen long-term potential growth. That is clearly the objective that we have with it. And if you think about the Greek economy and you think about long term potential growth being higher, I think it's crucial that there's a so certain transformation of the economy. And, and Michael actually alluded to it in a sense that it must also be somewhat more outward oriented, more open, because otherwise the Greek market becomes too small. And that is where I think actually those funds can be used very well. And there are infrastructure requirements that have to be completed in order to achieve that um, and to have better connectivity. There are energy requirements for the islands to lower energy costs on the islands to make those more uh, activity, they are more profitable uh, that, that can be seized. There are certainly also need and possibility to invest in the educational system because some upskilling obviously of the work labor force Uh, will be beneficial or some direction of of skills. So I think that there are kind of priority investment areas where this money can be very well used in order to really push the long-term growth path. And then next to this, as I said before, you need those kind of administrative reforms in order to seize the efficiency gains. I think that would be the kind of package that that we would hope for that comes out of the um, next generation EU in order to improve the long-term prospects.
0: Well, thank you, thank you very much, Rolf. That that's uh, that's very it's very good to know, and 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 actually very hopeful and it, it great to that you speak about the de- next generation because I think it, it it is very important as policy. And I think you know what, what I take from this uh, conversation is to move, moving on to my last question, which we don't have a lot of time, but in a way it's it it is where the last crisis started. It's that, uh, and uh, you all pointed out that. We're of course in a very different position in the last crisis, first of all, Europe is prepared, everybody's contributing, uh, and there's just overall a sense that uh, we can find a way uh, out together. But the the truth is debt is up, uh, GDP is down uh, for Greece and everywhere else. And um, we have the policies of fiscal prudence that we saw before the pandemic uh, and uh, we have uh, important uh, things like the stability and growth Pact and the July Eurogroup uh, at the European level and, and for Greece, the July uh, 2018 Eurogroup uh, decision. Um, now, uh, how, how are these going to fare in the, in the new normal? Um, so, Jari, uh, maybe I'll start with you. If, you. if you can please focus briefly on the future uh, of the fiscal and debt rules in Europe post pandemic. Sure. Um,
2: I mean, I think, you know, the reasons to revisit them, I think, are pretty obvious. And, you know, first is that we have long running issues with the existing fiscal rules. They're quite complicated. Um, They have encouraged uh, pro-cyclical fiscal policy. And so there's there's been a long running debate, of course, in terms of what could be uh, improved with the existing rules. But then, of course, the context now, as you say, is a very different one. We, we've seen a big increase in uh, deficits, a big increase in debt, and really need to, to rethink the calibration of these rules uh, to make sure that they don't call for a, an excessively sharp and, and unrealistic uh, consolidation um, of fiscal policy. So I think, you know, my sense is, you know, the debate here is is on you know ongoing. I'm very curious also to hear what others think, but my my sense is that the recommendations that um, the European Fiscal Board has put forward probably give us a good direction uh, of travel here. And I think those are, first of all, to focus more on debt uh, rather than the deficit, to kind of really anchor the fiscal rules uh, more with a medium-term orientation of where debt should be uh, headed. Second, focus the rules more on expenditure rather than on deficits. Um, I think there's quite a bit of evidence that expenditure rules perform quite well, they're simple, they give kind of a focal point uh, for fiscal policymakers. And then third, uh, make sure there's a uh, general escape clause um, that can be uh, triggered on the basis of, of independent um, advice. Um, so I think those are, I think going to be some of the key elements that will be taken into account. And I think with, with these changes, I think what's very important coming back to what we discussed earlier, I think is to kind of implement these changes in a way that avoids the need for an abrupt consolidation. That we can make sure that Europe can recover first, and you then uh, sort of transition um, to to these to these new fiscal rules. That I think you know might have might have better long-run properties for, for fiscal policy.
0: Well, thank you. We, we only have um, told by the organizers five minutes. So I'm going to try to ask you to be as, uh, as, as uh, epigrammatic as possible. And so Rolf, maybe what is your view uh, on the future of these uh, fiscal and debt rules? Um, and and, and uh, how do you think uh, the Eurogroup decision of 2018 is going to be revisited? And I know it's difficult to do epigrammatically. But...
3: No, but uh, in a way, for me, it's pretty straightforward. It's clear that nobody foresaw what is happening now in Greece, and that has a clear impact on the deficits of the country, as in any other country. So uh, so the original objectives on primary surpluses for Greece for this years now, this year, next year, they are gone and they are, cannot be achieved. That is right. But then it's also, and that is in a way also in line with the general escape clause that is applied to the European countries overall. But you will, so to speak, return to normality when those rules are again in place. And in my perspective, the long-term commitment that Greece made in 2018 is to stick to the fiscal rules, to the stability and growth pact. This is what I know. This is what we count on for Greece to do, forward-looking. And then when we are moving forward, we will precisely determine what it means in that situation. For the moment, for me, the agreement is there and there it stays.
0: Thank you. I, I will actually very quickly kind of, uh, if uh, uh, Mihaly, if I can actually skip you on this, because I, I know you, uh, you probably, uh, I just want to know what the, the raters will say about all this and, and um, because ultimately that's very important. Um, everybody wants to see. Uh, so uh, Marco, if we can close with you and, you know, just if you could comment, just generally on what you've seen and what you, whether you think you're confident that we will not slide back in a debt crisis, and just generally, uh, what what do you think of all the things you've heard? Uh, what would you two or three things that uh, should happen for a rating upgrade? And when, why, might we see that?
4: Well, I mean, uh, coming uh, starting uh, off with the uh, with the debt um, situation, it, it's true that the government debt is high, but let's not forget that. Uh, Very strong budgetary performance has been achieved in the past years before before the crisis. Uh, That the the government enjoys very substantial liquidity reserves, and that uh, Greece has one of the most favorable debt profiles in terms of maturity or average interest cost uh, among all the sovereigns that we rate. So, you know, the the funding position that has been improved uh, further by uh, these pan European responses makes us even more constructive. Uh, going or, and speaking directly to to the rating, um, you know, as I mentioned, I think that uh, what we're going to be we're going to be focused on is economic recovery uh, and how strong it is. How does it uh, interact with uh, gradual reduction in budgetary budget deficits? And going forward, um, I think um, another near-term driver could be the reduction in NPLs. And beyond that, I think it's really. Important to uh, hit um, high economic growth rates in order to um, uh, strengthen the the sovereign's ability um, for debt servicing and gradual reduction in government debt.
0: Okay, well, thank you very much. We we have reached the end of our time, unfortunately. Um, I mean, it's it's a great panel, and the questions I think are, you know, fundamental, and it's the first time we have had such, you know huge sort of upheaval on the basic rules. So we could go on discussing, I'm sure, for for days and I would love to hear more from you. But unfortunately we have to end. Uh, I will actually follow up with you separately. It's great to see you all. And um, uh, thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.
4: Bye-bye.